I'm Betty Stemper and welcome to Rhythology Conversations, the podcast. I believe that success is living by your values. On this podcast, we share our experiences of what it feels like to be uprooted. From the most challenging times to the most inspiring moments. I'm originally from the Ivory Coast and have been uprooted several times throughout my life. So I have created Rhythology Conversations as a resource for people like me to feel seen, heard, and supported. Hello, everybody. It's my pleasure. And I will actually, I'll say my privilege to be here to talk with Betty and for you to know more about Betty. She's a hidden gem. Oh, thank An you, amazing so person. So what I do actually is when I have customers that I coach when it comes to their lifestyle, their mental and physical health, for their business questions and for questions regarding their own self-development so that they are fully complete, I send them to Betty. And I want you to know more about Betty. Bonjour, Betty. Bonjour, Céline. Thank you for having me today. Okay. So, Betty, tell me about you. Who is Betty? Great question. It feels like being in an interview again. Yeah. <laughs> Love it. Who am I? So, what can I tell you about myself? It's kind of always a challenge for me to talk about myself, probably due to my, my strengths of humility, maybe. But I guess we can start where I was born. I was born in the Ivory Coast, in a small town of Korogo, which is in the north part of Ivory Coast. I grew up there with my grandparents and my parents. And before we moved to Abidjan when I was in my early third years or something like that. And so basically, I spent most of my childhood and adolescence in Abidjan before moving to Europe when I was 17 years old. And I went there for all my studies, last year of high school, college years engineering school, and then got my PhD and got married and moved to the US after that. So that's basically what happened to me. And who am I? I am a woman, a, a mom, a wife, a scientist, a coach. I wear multiple hats and I'm trying to be the best of myself every single day. So that's basically who I am. Thank you very much. Wow. So this is impressive. At 17, did you move with your parents to France? No, I moved by myself. So what happened was that there were some political troubles in the Ivory Coast and we went through what we call the white year, which is basically a blank year. And my parents asked me if I wanted to go to Europe to pursue my studies over there so that I wouldn't lose a full year. And for me, it was like an opportunity to be free, right? You know, when you're a teenager, you want to get the freedom. And so I said, oh, well, this is my chance to leave home. And I said, yeah. And basically what I did is that we hire a teacher 
to help me finish my program in math and physics because I was in the scientist branch. And once I had this done, then we arranged for me to go to France. I was in a boarding school and I had a host family that was lovely. They helped me a lot. But then that was another story being, you know, for the first time at 17 by yourself abroad with a different environment, a different culture. Uh, dang. So 17, you moved by yourself to France. How did you keep yourself grounded to do some very complex studies? You finished with a PhD in process engineering at L'Ecole des Mines. Yeah. People who don't understand the French system of education, she is, from an educational perspective, la crème de la crème. So uh, how did you do it? It wasn't easy. It wasn't easy. It was very, very difficult sometimes. But I would say I never doubt that I will be where I am just because I went there with a mission. And although that mission kind of changed over time because when I left the Ivory Coast, I left with the idea of coming back and serve my country. That, that's the mindset I had when I left the Ivory Coast. And so I met with leaders, local leaders, and asked them what they needed in the country, right? What type of, of new generation they were looking for, what type of leader they were looking for, and at the time, they were looking for engineers in the technology environment because they were missing that, that type of background. And so I went from a classic branch of math and physics to a technology branch. And that's what I had in mind, going to be an engineer from Aremitié. That was the idea at the beginning. And come back to the country and serve my country. And this is what basically carried me all that time when I had those moments of doubt. There was this mission and there were my parents, my family. My family, the link I have with my family was what grounded me. Those times where it was very difficult, those times where I wanted to just quit, right? But yeah, I remember when I was in 12th grade, I was in boarding school. And I was miserable. I was missing my parents. I was missing my brothers and sister. And what I had was this calendar that was pinned on my wall. And I was crossing every single day. I was crossing the date. And it felt like being in a prison. Mm. It was terrible. But during that time, what I had was my weekly call with my mom. Mm -hmm. Every Wednesdays, I had both my parents calling me every Saturdays and every weekend I would go back to my host family and that helped me go through the full year, focusing essentially on my studies, basically. And so years after years, it was almost the same thing when I was by myself in Class Prépa, which is a high, highly selective program. Yeah, I had few friends. We were like, from the program, we will meet every 
every weekend to study together. And it was like our small family. We will support each other and help each other going through. So there was that. But overall, there was this determination of succeeding. You know, I'm here for my mission. So I will stick to that mission. I have a plan and I go through that and, you know, life happens. I just realized after my second year of class prepa that probably won't be what I expected at the beginning. It won't be the Aremitié, but it will be something different, something that didn't exist in Côte d'Ivoire something that was unique. It was the school of ceramics. Okay. And I discovered what ceramics was, which was basically all science and everything but metal. So it goes from the glass, the clay, even the, the electronic components you have in your phones and all of those. So very excited about knowing what it was and just decided to do that. But then again, I check in with the government and said, okay, I'm going to do this. Is it something you're interested in? And they said, absolutely, because we don't have any material science program in mm -hmm. Cote d'Ivoire. So, you know, there is always something and uh, you could teach at the university eventually. And so I said, okay, let's go and do that. But then I'm here at the end of my my school and I meet this wonderful professor from the pharmaceutical department of the University of Limoges and she was looking for students with our profile because we have the same type of processes we use in the ceramic industry than we use in the pharmaceutical industry to make drugs. So she comes to our school, explain what she's doing and I say, oh my God, I want to do that. So it was so exciting that again, and so after her presentation, I just went and talked to her. And here I am. She enrolled me in the program. And that's how my new journey through the pharmaceutical industry started. And that basically changed my life. Thank you very much, Betty. You raised some very interesting points. So a good summary that I've heard today is you were able to go through the end of high school to your PhD with a very clear mission, I want to go and serve my country. Yes. This was one. The second one, what kept you going was the support of your family mm -hmm. and the friends that you've made in the program. Absolutely. And you also mentioned change. You change from math, physics, to art et métier, and then to pharmaceutical. So change is not easy. So what, in addition to your mission, what was going on in your mind when you knew you had to embrace those changes to go do something else? Can you tell us for, pick one, the change from physics to arimétier or the arimétier to, to pharmaceutical? What was your thought process? Well, I would say the change to math physics to math and technology wasn't really difficult to do. Ah, let's rephrase that. For me, it was something achievable. It's just a new area you're introducing, so it's not impossible. So I just went there. I have no idea what it was to do technology, and it was tough. But I think if you keep the mindset of curiosity, 
that's what's going to keep you. If you're curious about things, almost everything is possible. You have to be curious. You have to be focused also. And that's the thing. When you decide to go through a change, you need to understand why you're doing that change. It's not just, I'm going to change today. No, I'm going to change today because of something. And if you have that why really in your mind, then the change is more accessible, if you will. What was Um, your why? My why was the freedom of doing something that I like. I think I've always been very curious and I wanted to do something different, but something meaningful in the same time and having fun in what I was doing. So that basically has been my story is what can you do so that you still have fun? You're still, you know, making a difference. And having fun in the process. So uh, Betty, I have a question for you. You said it was very difficult, but you know, you were sustained by your family, your friends, and that mission that you wanted to change something. I have two questions, actually. The first question is, you came, you have to live there because of political turmoil. What gave you hope in the country that you could go do something there, knowing that at the time you were living, there was some political turmoil already? I guess it's it's something you have deep inside you, you know. Yeah. I don't know how to, maybe it's patriotism. I don't know. Yeah. It's okay. probably what it was. It's just that I was rooted there. Okay. And I couldn't really, at that time, anyway, imagine myself not doing it. Plus, I got a scholarship from the government. So that also tells you, we are paying for your studies and we expect you to give back to the community, right? They nurture you, so you do the same. And that's what I had in mind. It was... I come from a generation post-colonization. So my parents were post-colonization. So we were raised in that environment of serving your country and making the country grow. So even though there were political turmoil, you would think at some point it will go back to normal again. So at the time, that's what I thought. Thank you. And now what I would like for you to share with the people listening to us is Think about a time between that 12th grade and the PhD in process engineering, where you had doubt, strong doubt. What happened? What did you do to lift you up? Interestingly enough, I never had any doubt when I was in those programs that were very challenging. Okay. The doubt came when I was in entering school. My second year of engineering school, for some reason, I was miserable. And it's interesting because you have, it it wasn't the most difficult part in terms of studying and all of this, right? I had done the most difficult thing before. And now it was easy. This engineering school, three years should be easy. There is nothing to, to cover. And you have your friend, you're partying, you're going to school. Life is easy. But that second year, for some reason, I guess I missed my family, probably. So there was a lot of questioning that second year. I was just wondering, 
why I was there, you know, what I'm doing it for some reason. And this is when I started to get into depression. And it's not uncommon in some high teacher kids to to get into depression at some point. I couldn't remember exactly what was the trigger point, but I did remember that second year that I was in an identity crisis, mm -hmm. an identity crisis because I didn't recognize myself in the society where I was evolving. I started to have a spiritual crisis as well. I had ideas as quitting my studies and going into a covenant or something like that, right? Yeah. I had quite a bit of questioning that second year. I started to party a lot, starting to miss some classes. And, uh, and then I went into some depression. I had six months that were very difficult. But again, at those times where I was very low, what kept me into place was my family. It was my family. It was some very close friends I had. I didn't have a lot of friends. Well, I had friends, but very close ones, not many. And I think that link to my family, that idea of, oh, no, I cannot do that to them, is what kept me on track and uh, and kept me above the water, I would say. Dang. I am glad we went there because I would have never known you being so focused or that you went through these dark phases. And also, I would like to say thank you for agreeing to be vulnerable, to use the term depression. There is so much shame and so much stigma around it that people don't like to talk about it. I am glad you're talking about that. So for people listening, you can go through it, you can have it, that it is depression and come out of it. If you have enjoyed this podcast and want to have more intimate discussions like this with other uprooted individuals, go ahead and join my free discussion groups by signing up on my website, bettystamford.com. You will receive an invitation and a Zoom link to join our next discussion group wherever you are in the world. If you haven't yet, please subscribe, rate, and review this podcast. Stay tuned for our next Protology Conversation. Thank you so much for listening.